Hello, everyone. Welcome to the We're Kicking It podcast, where I get the privilege to talk to the legends and warriors of the martial arts world. Today, I am being joined by three-time martial arts Hall of Fame inductee, Black Belt in Campo by Master Randy Edwardson, BKF Black Belt under James Culpepper, amongst many other systems. He is also the founder and master of Lama Kempo Martial Arts Systems. Sifu Thomas Martin, sir, how are you? I'm good. Nice. Good, good to be here. <laughs> nice to have you here again. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate True. it. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is great. So, um, you know, uh, Mr. Nunez is here with us, Luis Nunez. But I remember the first time I saw you, it was 2002, 2003 with Colin Van Dusen. Right. I just remember walking in his studio. There was a little hallway. I don't know if you remember back then. Oh, yeah. I see this person with this green gi and this look, and I was like, who is that? I mean, I felt that that vibe that I don't know. I don't want to mess with this person right now. I just, I'm, Hi, sir. How are you? I'm Jose. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> I mean, it, I felt that. I was like, wow, who's this person? Ever since then, I've been a fan. Wow. So for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you're honoring me <laughs> by, you know, by even recognizing me. But, yeah, I've been in the martial arts for a while. Um, probably a good 45, 46 years. Oh. Um, started when I was like eight years old. Um, kind of fast forward it. Um, you know, I'm... I, been out of the martial art world. I used to be extremely serious, extremely serious. <laughs> so I've been out for probably a good solid 10 years where I kind of, um, more focused on family, more focused on career and, uh, you know, kind of took that path. Now let me back it up. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, started out when I was eight years old, my uncle Lewis, you know, uh, my eighth birthday said, Hey, I'm, I'm giving your mother money, which was my, 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 my mom's brother, yeah. uh, who was a Vietnam vet, um, master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, which I did not know until later on in my life. I thought I was the only Marine in, in, in the family. <laughs> I found out not even close. <laughs> so, um, he paid for martial art classes when I was eight years old and I hadn't stopped training since. Wow. Not at all. Hey, go ahead. No, no, no. Just wow. I'm just saying, wow. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry. It, it, it's really weird. Um, brought up, I'm brought up in Georgia. All right. Um, like I said, I'm from, um, I'm from Marietta, Georgia, but my family is around Milledgeville and other parts of Georgia um, since slavery. Yeah. <laughs> since then, we've, we've always been there. Um, but, Grew up in Marietta. That's where I started my martial art training um, under Larry McClure. Um, Larry McClure, to me, was more like a dad, more like a father figure. Um, he kicked my butt. You know, he he held me to task, made mm -hmm. sure um, I've never had anybody that made me pay for not having good grades. He made me pay. <laughs> and I, and I carried that on to my own training, um, of my own students. Yeah. I held them accountable just like I was held accountable. Um, uh, Larry was a great influence all the way up until he pushed me out of the school. Um, because he said I had a, uh, an anger problem and he wanted to balance me out 
better. So I thought he was kicking me out. I thought he was kicking me out of the, uh, the school. I'd been training with him, um, for a good, strong, oh, six to seven years, you know, and he's always, you know, he was always that male figure that I aspired to be like, and he helped, he turned me over to master Watanabe in Smyrna, Georgia, um, um, place called defense arts. Um, he was a, he was a specialist in judo, judo. Um, he was a Japanese judo practitioner. Um, I think he also did some judo stand up style, but judo was his main, main flow. Um, he held me over to him and I thought he was abandoning me. Yeah. I thought my instructor was like pushing me away. No, he was very much involved. Master Watanabe and him were close, close friends. Um, being from Georgia, being that I'm a, I'm a black male American. So I thought, oh, well, great. He's just throwing me away. He just wants me to <laughs> come here. And I was the only black kid, adult, whatever. I was the only black in the school. So I really felt kind of out of place. And I was never allowed to come to or to be on the floor. And this was traditional Japanese judo floor with springs in it. It was a hard wooden floor raised. Um, it had spring system in it for falling. Um, there were never a mats. We had thick mats on the outside where you could practice um, hard falls or hard throws. But pretty much we always practiced on there. I, I was never allowed to get, get up there on the wood part. Um, probably, oh, I was probably 13 or 14. So, yeah, it, I was no, I was 12. Holy crap. I was 12. <laughs> so 12 and 13, right around that area. Um, yeah. I wasn't allowed for maybe a good year to even touch that top. I had to learn all this other, uh, learning how to fall, learning how to roll. Um, I cleaned the floor every day, twice in a class. Once when I got there yeah. and then after, I, right before I left, it was my job, my job in, in uh, about three other people, but it always changed, but I was constant. Okay. The other people that helped me changed. Yeah. And it was traditionally, we'd roll up a towel. Um, he would kind of throw some stuff out there. I guess it was wax. And we would like a crab, like a, like a, um, what do you call it? Like a, a bear crawl, a bear crawl kind of thing okay. where we would hold on to it and just push off and slide the, the towels back and forth on the floor. And I would do that. I had to cover every inch. Then the other, we would go online and do it about 10 or 20 times. And then I would finish it up and my finishing up would be going up, down, up, down, up, down. And then he, I was finished. So that was my ch childhood being introduced to judo. Um, I had to do the tension, the, 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 uh, what do you call that? Bicycle tubes. Okay. I had to do that every day in, in the class. Um, <laughs> long story short though, after that year, and I was allowed on the floor for the first time, um, I, I didn't understand as a kid. I was just ambitious, and I wanted to learn. I wanted to prove myself. Well, all this time, I didn't know he was building me up to, to really do what he – and I became, like, highly competitive um, <laughs> to the point where I was, like, winning tournaments. Um, tournaments back oh, in man. those days were, like, five bucks oh. to enter, all right. you know? So I'd ask my mom for money and, you know, every weekend, and then I'd ask her for a ride. And what I'd end up doing is going with one of the adults 
in the in the in our school in judo school, and I end up competing. Um, and we're talking like two years down the road, two years in, and I was I was good. I I I, I was very, and I never thought I was good enough. I was always proving myself. Always like I got to push. I got to do this. I I want to be. I don't want people to think that I'm less than, you know, or I'm or I don't belong here. So I man, I pushed hard. I pushed hard. Um, all through my high school, one of the biggest uh, secrets in my high school, and I, I went to a southern, kind of a small town, Mar- Marietta High School. Shout out okay. to Marietta High School. There we go. <laughs> also, too, Marietta High School, uh, I went back recently, a couple of years, about a, oh my God, almost 10 years ago. But I went back and I found out my high school is now the junior high. Oh. And now Marietta High School is a whole new place. But, but, my whole time in high school, I competed. I was okay. a competitive. Uh, I would do karate tournaments and I'd do judo tournaments all the time. And, but I, w- I didn't play sports in school. Okay. I didn't. So okay. everybody was looking at me like, eh, you look like you're in good shape, but you don't you know, like, I remember I was doing a, uh, this is a funny story. This is crazy. Um, one of the pep rallies. Well, I was in the drama club, right? Okay. I, I didn't do any sports, dude. None. It was the biggest secret is I was a highly competitive martial artist in high school, but nothing. And no one knew. I didn't tell a soul. No one. I repeat, no one knew except one person. And I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my stuff and, uh, you know, being all secret ninja. Right. Um, <laughs> So I'm doing this pep rally and the drama club did a little skit. And in this skit, um, there was a table about three feet high and we were doing our skit. And from a standing position, I just boop right on top of the table, the track without bending my knees, nothing. And the track coach goes, Hey, uh, you ever thought about uh, running track? Uh, you ever thought about <laughs> football coach comes over. Hey, you ever thought about playing football? So, it, it was kind of, it's funny, but I never did. I never played high school sports. I, I did get involved with the tennis team because I was forced to. Not a tennis player, dude. <laughs> Not at all. Um, and I, I think I only played for like two weeks. <laughs> and then just gave yeah, it up. Done. <laughs> done. So did you stick to any sport? Martial arts. Martial arts. Well, but you know what? Uh, growing up, um, yeah. I, I was a swimmer. Oh, swimmer. Okay. Yeah. I, I swam um, for a, a club. And that was my love outside of martial arts. Swimming was my love. Okay. So I, I was good with the, um, I do freestyle, um, okay. breaststroke. Um, and then I did a medley relay and I was really good. Matter of fact, uh, I took state championship at the age of 11. No, wow, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was the other thing I did outside of that, but yeah. nothing ever, never, nothing ever entered in for like high school sports or anything. So, like so let's go back to that one person that knew uh, you were practicing martial arts. Who, who was this person? Um, Gordon Island. Okay. Um, Gordon Island um, just is the best guy uh, I I could have ever grown up with. Um, he was my best friend. Okay. Best friend. Um, he had a sister by the name of Avery, a great dad, you know. And Gordon and I grew up in the same little complex. And I met him. Funny. That's a funny story, too. Um, I met him when I came back as a foreign exchange student, uh, my freshman year, I was a foreign exchange student in the Netherlands. 
So when I came back, first thing he ever said to me was, Oh, world traveler. How you doing? (laughs) Right. So Gordon, Gordon was a, uh, uh, just a very eclectic, intelligent dude, way over me. (laughs) me. Um, but Gordon, um, used to fence. He did actually competitive fencing. Um, he, he was, uh, very, uh, open-minded about doing things and experiencing stuff. Um, just a great dude. And, and we went through our whole high school experience. He's the only one that knew that I studied martial arts and I studied it seriously and I, that I competed. Um, and I'll tell you the, the weird thing about that. Gordon today is one of the, um, I would say one of the high members of a martial art organization. He is a black belt. He owns a school. And he's one of the top uh, status people of that school. So much so that he had, there's other there's other branches of his school, like in other states. And he's mm-hmm. the representative that goes to all of them and keep them connected. His wife has a black belt in martial arts, and it was funny because I was his first instructor. He he taught me fencing, okay, and I mean really taught me fencing, and I taught him martial arts. That's incredible. Yeah. On, on the side of our house. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And we did it in secret, you know, and today he is this real martial artist, you know, that's incredible. Yeah. And do you still keep up with Gordon? You know what? Um, saw him a couple of years ago. He actually, he and his family, um, traveled in a RV for a year traveling around the United States. Oh, and he did a stop cool. off and stopped off and I met his kids and, and his wife and, and, and saw him and seen him, man, it was 25 years, 30 years. <laughs> wow. Probably even more than that, but yeah, it's been a long time. So when we saw each other again, as soon as I saw him, yeah, that Still same there. guy. Yeah. 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 Great, great guy. Uh, shout out to, to Gordon. Um, here's, here's how Gordon, Gordon went to, um, like I went to the Marine Corps. So I went to a military college straight out of high school. I went to a military college, went to the military college for about a year and a half, ran out of money, scholarship ran out, everything ran out. And, and that's another story. My, my biological dad who was never in my life wouldn't put up the money All right, and he could. <laughs> that not not a judgment call on my part. He actually could, yeah. um, but w- took my mom to court and said, "No, I'm not going to support this kid. I don't care if he is what? a cadet and will be an army officer. We're not supporting him." Took me to court on that, um, and I remember being in uniform in my cadet uniform um, in Milledgeville, and the judge leaning over and telling me, "He goes, son, I'd be proud to have you as a son." He goes, "But I I have to uh, I have to." You know, the law says I got to, you know, I, it's going to go in your dad's favor because my dad brought a lawyer, the whole nine yards. Wow. So I ended up from that, I ended up going to the Marine Corps because I was so pissed off. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go for the Marines. And me thinking that because I was, a, I went through plebing, hazing. Um, I went to uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky for Army Officer Boot Camp. I thought I was ready for the Marine Corps. No. <laughs> Dude, I put my foot in those 
freaking uh, yellow footprints and uh, realized I was not in Kansas no more. <laughs> but yeah, long story short, um, I ended up, you know, yeah, Gordon ended up being a, a great influence on my life. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Marine Corps, how did, how was that experience for you? You know what? I, I think it was probably the best thing I could have ever done. The best. Because when you started, you, I mean, you, you said, your instructor said you had anger issues, but you're the, one of the nicest and humblest person I've ever met. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, here's, here's, here's a dynamic. Here's yeah. a dynamic. Um, being raised by a, a, a Southern um, mom, very ambitious mom, um, who I didn't have an anger issue in my own mind. I wanted to prove myself to my instructor. Okay. So every time I did anything, I did it at 135.999%, right? I did it way over. So, and, and we didn't have punching bags because I started my martial art career in a basement of a library and our punching bag was a rolled up uh, carpet, shag carpet. So, you know, the base, the bottom of a shag carpet is really rough and, all right. You know, so I learned to punch and punch properly by having many, many bloody knuckles. And I remember my uh, Larry McClure, my instructor, uh, told me, huh, well, I guess you should quit then. I don't think you can take this. What? And in my mind, that just, I got to do this. So I, I, I practice. You're talking, I was on a mission. So every day I would punch the pine tree out in the back of our house and I'd punch it until I got it to where my punch landed solid and right. stuck and never dragged, never, never bolted to where I, I could punch the, the base of the carpet and I wouldn't rip my skin off layer by layer. God I would hit it dude. just clear flat. And that was an ambition. I mean, I, I would throw, I'd probably train an hour, two hours at home. And then go in class, get bloody knuckled, um, cry, wrap them, end up taping them up. And, you know, and the whole time, my, Larry just looked at me like, poor kid, you, you need to quit. What? Yeah. Wow. So was his whole purpose sending you to the judo school to learn how to calm your down yeah. a bit more? Yeah. He or? would ask me to, to kick or punch or do anything. I would yeah. do it full bore. I would do it full bore. And sometimes, a lot of times, he would tell me, <laughs> okay, stop, no, stop, stop, stop. I keep going, because I wanted to prove myself to him. I wanted to let him know that he's not wasting his time. Right. I want to be there. Because that was right. one of his things is, if you don't want to be here, you can go. Right. You know? So I, did, I just wanted to tell him I wanted to be there. So, I, yeah, I was, I, you know, I, I would spar. I wasn't a good fighter. I was a very peaceful kid. So I would just go ballistic and just, you know, like in a berserker rage, like, ah, and, you know, end up looking like a total idiot. Um, but that's how I would function. And he would say, Hey, you look, you got an anger issue. You need to, you know, cool it down. Um, and I was like, yes, sir. And do it again. And do it again. <laughs> so stupid. So, but anyway. Uh, you're good. All right. So <laughs> when, when I, when I was, uh, that was the, 
viewpoint of, of Larry was like, dude, this kid needs to get a grip. And right. I didn't realize um, the more I tried to prove myself, the more I tried to to show him that I, I was tough enough and hard enough and I could take anything he dished out. I mean, a lot of times my classes and I was in tears. Wow. I would be riding my bike home just in tears. So I, you know, I really wanted just to prove myself. Well, every time I try to prove myself, he would make the assessment of this dude has an anger problem. So, but I was a great student. I was very mindful. I was very uh, respectful, but he saw that and said, you need to get a handle on it. So sending me to master Watanabe was, was awesome. It was awesome. Master Watanabe, uh, me having that year or so, it felt longer, but probably about a good solid year of not going to the mat, just doing all the outside peripheral workouts and training, and then finally bringing me onto the mat. He was very Japanese traditional. Um, I, it, it did. It made me focus even more. Um, if I didn't follow everything to the detail, he would hit me with a shinai and hit me hard. It wasn't a little tap like to get my attention. It That shinai slapped. That bamboo slapped. <laughs> and he was dead serious. Wow. So that brought me to the reality of I need to follow instructions. I need right. to follow them to the detail. So me being with Master Watanabe helped a lot. I'm saying that, you know, as an adult, as, <laughs> as a trained fighter, a trained instructor, back then, oh, I thought he hated me. I thought, you know, I better not get out of line and I better not quit because my instructor sent me here and I better not quit because I don't want him to think that, you know, me being the only kid, I was one of the few kids and me being the only black kid there. Oh no, I got to prove myself. I have to prove myself. So it it was, it was a, it was a battle. You know, there were, there were times I didn't want to go. Because Master Watanabe did, when I tell you he hit me with the Shanai, we're talking bloody welts. And, and can you explain a Shanai? You said it's bamboo, but for the people that don't know what a Shanai is, okay, can you explain it? A Shanai is a uh, is a bamboo um, kindo sword. It's a practice kindo sword. Um, it is split bamboo with a leather handle, and it has it's it's tied in three places and has a a uh, leather, normally a leather cover on the top tip to make it safe for, for, for stabbing, but also it's used for striking. So you could, you can hit someone full power with a strike full power and not kill them, not arm them, but on bare skin. Yeah. You feel it. Oh, you man. feel it. You feel it. <laughs> uh, and, and here's, here's a funny thing. Everything that I, and, and this is something that I think every martial artist um, will understand. Everything that my instructors did for me and the things that resonated and, and, and really made a difference for me, I carried on with my own students. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the, the holding them accountable for their grades. That wasn't just, you know, trying to make them good citizens or no, it was because, Hey, the, my instructor did that to me and 
it helped me. It really helped me. I mean, I, I graduated with, uh, from high school with very decent grades, grades good enough to, to earn a scholarship. And it wouldn't have happened without him. It wouldn't have happened. And the Shanae, my students are very familiar with the Shanae. Um, one of the traditions is even my nine, 10 year olds, I'd break Shanae's on them. Oh my God. Yeah. They call it child abuse, right? <laughs> yeah. But here's the funny thing. Every single one of, uh, or every single student that made it beyond the initial, I'd say nine months of being in my dojo ended up being champions or ended up being very successful competitive fighters. Okay. So, you know, almost like a rite of passage. Um, none of them were harmed in any, any way long-term. Um, and as a matter of fact, one of the gifts I would get almost every Christmas would, would be particularly students that I've broken a Shania on, they would gift me a Shania, a wow. brand new Shania. <laughs> <laughs> and they were basically saying, yeah, well, someone else is going to go through what I went through. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's happy child abuse. I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. Yeah. I mean, it's so many different ways now to, to teach. I mean. Obviously, you came up a very traditional yeah. martial art way where yeah. back then, I mean, anybody could relate to like seeing the old school Kung Fu movies where the instructor was hard on the, on the student. Yeah. And so you grew up in that. So yeah, grew up back, very much. Back in. then, that was the way the student. It was the only way to, yeah. And, and to compound that, being a Marine and being a combat Marine and me being a Marine combat trainer. Um, didn't help, <laughs> you know, um, it, but here's, here's the thing that was most unusual. Now you, I have to say that, you know, everything was tempered and everything was, uh, very planned out. Um, it sounds brutal, but it really wasn't. Um, the concern, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I would say probably a good 40 percent of my students I still know they're still wow. in my life um, I would say maybe about 20% of my students I'm at their children's birth I am at Whoa. every birthday party I am involved directly in their lives that's awesome and and it's it's a gift from God it's not it is something that has made me more whole so, yeah, it's great to be an instructor. It's great to develop champions. It's great to be recognized. But that's the gift. The gift is the relationships and the respect of those relationships and the ability to be in someone's life and your life is enriched because of it. That's that, awesome. That, wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were, we were just talking before and you were talking how you're involved with most of your students. Yeah. And now you're telling me that, that that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's a blessing. That's a blessing from God. They're they're And they're very all well accomplished. And mm -hmm. they, they always credit me saying, you know, Hey, you taught me. Um, one of the mottos of our, of our school is perseverance. Like if you see our patch, you're going to see the word perseverance. Mm -hmm. Well, that was taught to me by Larry McClure. That's what, that was his motto, perseverance. Mm -hmm. I carried it on in my life and it helped me. 
I made it through Marine Corps training. I made it through specialized combat training. I, I made it through because of Larry McClure. Right on. You know, that wasn't an accident. It was my mom saying, baby, you can do anything. Anything you put your mind to, you can do it. And Larry saying, you will get it done. You mm-hmm. will. You, if, if only failure is you quitting. Are you going to quit? And that was from childhood. So, yeah, everything, everything plays into another. Everything is connected. People don't get that, but everything's connected. That is true. Wow. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's crazy. Just <laughs> getting that in is like going through my head. is like, it's true. Perseverance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's backtrack to your, you said you did tournament. Mm-hmm. So did you do any um, sparring with like hands? Because you said your striking wasn't as well. Right. So who who you learned striking from or. Okay. Um, okay. As I was coming up and, and here's the thing that was really weird. Um, as I was coming up, it was like a traditional, but I would do karate style punches. Okay. where they would be chambered quick and fast, like a Shotokan kind of thing. And, you know, chops and everything like that. And very effective for the tournaments that I was in. And the tournaments back in the day, I want you to understand, I'm 57 years old. So the tournaments back in the day, back in the 70s, when I was fighting, so I, I probably broke into tournaments about mid-70s, all the way up through the 80s, up, up until like 87 is when uh, last time I remember doing a tournament, you know, in my youth Mm -hmm. and they were real. They weren't, they weren't what you would think of tournaments today. You know, the, the Korean martial arts style, there was no pads back then. Matter (laughs) of fact, there was no, there was no hand pads. It was just, yeah, you could wrap your hands if, you know, you want to look cool, but it was all bare fist, bare feet. And, you didn't get a point because you came close to them. You got a point when that person went down. (laughs) Well, that person stopped, you know, so it it was real. Um, So during that time, that's where I learned to develop using my legs and my hands and my Mm -hmm. hands. Um, But in that traditional style, Um, when I went to the Marine Corps, that veracity, that skill set, particularly judo, um, mixed with, with the uh, Taekwondo uh, foot movements and, and cha- change-ups helped me a great deal. As a matter of fact, it actually, I'll credit it for my my little combat experience, saved my butt. But I started realizing, uh, being on deployments, I went on three Westpacs, or two and a half Westpacs, and every time I went on a Westpac, which is six months on deployment as an act, active expeditionary force, a ready expeditionary force for the United States Marines on Navy ships going all over the world. And getting, I went to Thailand and my, come on, I was like, what, 19, 20, <laughs> crazy weirdo dude. <laughs> All right. And most of the time you're chasing girls. Most of the time you're on deployment, you're chasing girls and drinking as much beer as you can humanly (laughs) consume. Well, that wasn't my pursuit. My pursuit was I found out Thailand had a martial art. And I was, and I actively in a taxi saw them training in a dirt patio area or a dirt front yard. 
I wanted that. So I actually tried it. But I found out then my hands were ineffective. And they were trying to teach me, but there was a language barrier. And they only had so much tolerance for a stupid American. (laughs) So, you know, so I'm trying to learn it. And I'm trying to relate my martial art experience instead of just giving up and, you know, becoming, what what did Bruce Lee say, the empty vessel? Right. Yeah. I was just trying to melt their style into mine, which I should have just stopped and just learned Muay Thai. Um, So, you know, I'm trying to learn it. And, but from that experience, I realized I don't have any hands. I don't have that good boxing hands, you know? And one of my buddies was a boxer and he was like, yeah, let me, let me help you on ship. I'll, we'll train. Yeah. All he did was kick my butt every day. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, no feet. Can't do this. Can't do that. We're just going to box. And he just, he just handed my butt to me. So realizing that, and then I started training in some Filipino martial arts when I was in the Philippines a lot. Um, cause that's all I pursued. Right. That was my makeup, dude. And all my buddies are out womanizing and having a good time, which is nothing wrong with it. You know, you're, you're doing what you're doing. But my big thing was, okay, I'm going to have a beer and I'm going to find a martial art place. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I did that though. I found a traditional karate school that taught Filipino style fighting, um, Kali yeah. and all that stuff. Um, little did I know and I'll, I'll move it, but uh, little did I know that that was going to be a very big part of my life. But, uh, yeah, uh, I finally learned hands when I got out of the Marine Corps, I started training with my first Kempo instructor. Um, I'll tell you that guy just did it, did so much for me coming out of the Marine Corps. You know, you're coming out with that mindset. Um, you're, um, I came out where I looked at civilians like, why aren't they working harder? Okay. Why aren't they pushing harder? You know, it, it was very weird. It was very weird. Um, and right now, I'm I'm at a loss. I'm just I'm, I'm, I have more memories of. But we'll get back to his name and everything. I'll I'll give you that. But but what he had done is exposed me to Kimpo, which was hands from heck. More ways to hit and strike a person than you could shake a stick at. And you couldn't shake it fast enough. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, this is not going to be, you can't do this in real life. And then I met his group. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. And, and this is on the uh, west side of Long Beach. Oh. Yeah, it was on the west side of Long Beach, right, mm-hmm. off of San, right on Santa Fe. But, uh, um, yeah, where Navy housing used to be. Okay. Well, I know the west, I guess I... I went to Stevens Middle School. Oh, so, not too far away. Oh, not too far away. Okay, not too so far we're, away. We're, we're near Vile. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Stevens Middle School is inside the neighborhood there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. If you come out to Santa Fe, mm-hmm. there was a little uh, laundromat, and then there was the uh, it was called Tiger Crane Kimpo. All right. And but it's the original. It's not the Tiger Crane that I've heard stories about lately. <laughs> um, it was 
the the actual one, the real one, the real the real the real deal. Um, when I met him, um, my wife my my wife is Filipina, so I met mm-hmm. my wife in the Philippines. Um, we ended up getting married. She came to the United States. Um, we've been married now thirty four years. Oh, congrats! Uh, yeah. So, um, so we, you know, I I would run. I would have these heavy steel shurikens in my hand. My wife and I would run two, three miles every every day, and I would see. I saw a school. Didn't know what Kimpo was. I had no idea. I had no clue. Ran past, took stuck my head in, saw this white male biker looking dude with the little little gut and real nice, you know, cool. Kind of rough around the edges, but I'm like, hey, it's cool, dude. And uh, he said, just sit down and watch. And he must have had 50 students in the class. Um, kids group was probably a good solid 50. Um, trained in a little warehouse. It used to be a, a, a mechanics garage. Okay. But turned it into a school holy crap dude those guys <laughs> holy crap <laughs> and and i didn't know being from georgia you know i didn't know anything about gangs i didn't know anything about anything but what he was doing was pulling guys out of gangs and pulling them into martial arts and keeping them out of gangs that's awesome and training these guys beyond uh, what anyone should be trained in um, that was my experience of learning hands and getting a good understanding. But I really did not learn hands until I met um, uh, Mohammed, Grandmaster Mohammed of BKF. All right. And my instructor and him were close friends. So they would come over, and BKF used to use the school for training. And Myself and Calvin Wandick, who is also one of my classmates, great, great guy, um, now works for Metro PD in, in uh, Vegas. Um, great guy. Um, he, he trained with them for kickboxing. And I was like, dude, I want to learn kickboxing. I want to learn. So I, I started kind of hanging out invited myself <laughs> to learning. And they're the ones that really taught me boxing like real boxing. And it, the funniest thing was, uh, again, I'm new. I'm new to California. I'm new to Long Beach. Um, and what they had done was, I was so far behind them, they had boxing skills. They had skills, period. Oh, so my legs were good. I didn't understand movement. I didn't know how to work a ring. Um, so they sent me to uh, this Hispanic guy. Okay, this Hispanic guy was probably four foot nothing. <laughs> Older guy, probably in his fifties or sixties. Oh he, he, this dude, did things to me that were torturous. <laughs> but he taught me boxing without even uh, outwardly. He, he would tie my feet with with a rope and say, "Stay on the line and move and keep keep the rope tight." And you gotta, and then he taught me how to move, move on a line, shuffling my feet. And then he taught me how to take one foot off and pivot. And my pivot was so perfect that I was walking on these two parallel lines and my pivot was so perfect that I could pivot and be on one line. 
and, and, and still in, increase my power and my movement. And, you know, and he just made me to where I was a competitive um, amateur kickboxer that moved from competitive to professional in a matter of two years. That is insane. Yeah. In a matter of two years. And that was, that was my kind of breakthrough and, and the kind of the basis for my, the Lama Kempo system that I teach today. Um, it's a mixture of all of that. It's the mixture of the disciplines of boxing and, and, uh, and, and the Kempo that I learned and the influences, the judo, and I merged it. You used to talk about mixed martial arts. Yeah. All right. Well, my thing is I stayed in each martial art and practiced that martial art till its fullest. It wasn't, I was, I wasn't dabbling. Mm-hmm. No, I was in it. I was in it. That's the way I lived. When I started learning boxing, I didn't even really have any respect for boxing because the reality is I was just a traditional martial artist. And I was like, oh, I don't know what boxing is. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> Little did I know, dude. I've, I've had my butt handed to me by more boxers than martial artists. So, no, that, they, they, they call it the sweet science. It is a sweet, sweet science. It is a sweet science. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But I I ended up teaching. That's what I taught my students. My students ended up learning um, kind of a hybrid version of of Kimpo, which is the Lama Kimpo system of basically being a very attuned kickboxer with uh, that, that knows how to use and incorporate traditional weapons. You know, they they'll switch. And be able to switch and throw hook hook punches and overhead overhead hooks, and then a ridge hand will come from nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of how they were brought up and trained. And I think that was one of the uh, one of the successes of my school. And that's how that's how I was able to, um, unbeknownst to me, because it all happened at the end of my professional career. But uh, I I ended up getting three separate. Uh, martial art hall of fames over a period of two well over a period of two years i got out of 2000 and women 1999 and 2000 i got my first hall of fame induction in 1999 um i was inducted with uh, eric lee and a handful of great martial artists. And I didn't believe I was even supposed to be there. I'm like looking around going, holy crap, these guys, <laughs> these guys are magazines. Who am I? You know, I really did. I really did. I mean, I wasn't joking. And, and I was lucky enough. They asked me to do a demonstration at, uh, it's called Mashuba force or international martial arts hall of fame. Okay. Um, and at the same time across the uh, street from that event was the, uh, uh, what was it? The I think of some music awards, right? Right. So you have all these martial artists on one side of the street, and and the music awards <laughs> on the other side of the street. Busy street. But uh, I brought my students with me. And we did it. We did a uh, a demonstration, and the demonstration brought the room to tears. Wow. Of these hardened martial artists, um, and I'm. Uh, trying to think there were a few celebrities there too, um, that are in the comedy world. Um, I'm at a loss now to, to remember them. There was a black comedian. 
talks about martial arts. I'll, I'll remember in a second. But um, he was there. There was some other movie people. And, yeah, everybody was in tears. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was just, you know, we're very fortunate. They, they asked us in advance, uh, three, I think it was three weeks, that I got right. a letter in the mail. And from that three weeks saying you're being inducted into the International Martial Art Hall of Fame uh, under, under that group. And they asked me, would you mind doing a demo? And we just kind of put it together, threw it together and did it there. And it was, it, we got so much. And, and here's the thing that's really bad. The student that videotaped it died of cancer. And we are still looking for that tape. But a whole, but the the great thing is, a whole handful of my students were able to be with me during that All night. Right. So that was a great thing. Yes, that is. <laughs> that was a great thing. Oh, it's sad people didn't because now you just pick up a phone and everyone has it. Oh yeah, like yeah. back in the, yeah, <laughs> and that was a funny thing too because a lot of people were like, "Dude, you, you, I wish you'd." Um, like I did have students that would, one of my big things that I think is a weakness in my own character is I didn't like videos taken and, and pictures taken during classes. Okay. Right? I just didn't like it. I thought it was a distraction that was unnecessary. Right. Um, now in retrospect, I'm like, dang it. I wish I should have, man. And a lot of the competitions that we went to, we were a poor school. We weren't like, you know, a, a few of our parents were solid, standing on solid ground. But, you know, pretty much, you know, I was on the west side of Long Beach, <laughs> and, which is a decent area. Don't get me wrong. It's oh, a yeah. really nice area. Yeah, it is. Um, but myself, we didn't have the resources where we owned a camera and we were going to videotape. And back in those days, there were no phone cameras. Yeah. You, you look like a reporter from channel seven news. You know, if you, if you had a freaking, you know, camera. camera and a lot of the competitions that I was in kickboxing, all that stuff, there were always people saying, Hey, I got you on tape, you know, call me and do this. And you didn't end up calling them and Oh, they never right. come through or you, right. it, it's hard to get in touch with them. So yeah, over the years, uh, a lot of my students and their parents have taken videos. Like I said, one of the main per people that did, um, um, Greg Brown, I to say it great student, great human being and, and passed away from cancer. Um, his daughter was one of the top students I've ever trained wow. ever. Um, Dominique was an incredible, inc and she's an incredible woman now, you know, uh, graduated from, uh, what did she graduated from a Southern college, went to, um, where'd she go? Um, not Spelman, but, uh, one of the black colleges in, in the South, um, mm -hmm. graduated, you know, and she's have she, she has actually, uh, um, kind of like a, a YouTube channel for fashion and, and okay. stuff that she's doing. Right yeah, great, great. You know, oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Human. Like I said, a lot of my students, I'm so proud of them as people, right. you know? Yeah. Trade them and they won all these championships and oh, that's wonderful. Um, and some of them became pro, you know, some of them went pro and some of their children are pros now. Wow. You know, they're fighting. Like I, before the podcast, we were talking about one of my students, um, 
um, owns a gym out of out of Lakewood called the Body Shop. Oh, and, and Antonio McKee, okay. um, who's the craziest guy you'll ever want to meet, um, <laughs> but love him to death because Antonio has known me. He's known me through the hardest times, dude. Wow. Because I, I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but uh, keeping keeping that in mind, Antonio met me at a time where um, it was very hard. You know, I, I owning a school. I I went I became a respiratory therapist. So I went to school for oh. respiratory therapy. And in the interim, because I didn't know if I was going to pass the state board or not, <laughs> I said, "Hey, I've been doing martial arts for the last couple, you know, seriously, I'm going to open up a school." So I ended up opening up a school, taking the state board exam, passing it. Nice. Passing it, and the school was already open though. Oh. So all my attention was on the school. And I kind of let my respiratory therapy, which, you know, sometimes I regret and sometimes I know God's in charge and, and it, things happen exactly for why they happen. They happen for a reason, but, uh, I pushed really hard in the martial art world. Well, Antonio met me when I think the first time he met me, I was actually, I met him. I actually saw him in a, he used to own a beeper business. That's how far, wow. far back it was, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he owned a beeper business in Long Beach, but what he met, he actually, we actually talked. I was in an alley in Long Beach on the West side of Long Beach. And I had a mattress taped around a telephone pole and I was training for a fight that I was going to do in Vegas, a big one, um, full contact, um, continuous fighting oh, kind right, of thing. Right. Um, so I'm training and he drives up and he throws a few expletives out and said, what are you doing? And I, I said, I'm training for a fight. And he, we start talking and we've been friends ever since. And he's, he's seen me through the good times, bad times, great, great human being. Um, well, I was able to, as I was, well, let, let, let's talk about, I, at that point in time, Martial artists, kickboxers did not make a lot of money. Okay. Let me give you an example. As a boxer, if I was an amateur boxer breaking into the pros, I could make 10,000 bucks as an advanced amateur. And then once I broke into pro, oh, I'm going to make an eight, a six digit income. I'm going to make a six digit on certain fights, you know? Even if I lose, I'm going to make six digits. Oh yeah, right. Kickboxing, I'd be lucky to make three thousand bucks. Wow, fifteen hundred was the norm. Wow, and you're taking heck, Asia's same punishment, sometimes worse. Right, that's true. So, at that point in time, I was also doing uh, Wilmington fights, um, Wilmington warehouse fights. So I would fight in warehouses or parking lots in Wilmington. And then I would do Long Beach beach fights, which, you know, pretty much you would just, you would hear about it saying, Hey, we're going to meet up right off the ocean right at, you know, six o'clock and it gets dark at seven. So it only lasts about 30 minutes. So they have two fights going on the beach, you know? (laughs) And so, but you could win some fast money. And so I did that for a second. Um, just to earn enough money, because at that point in time, I had a, my my first son was born. 
had to buy milk, had to buy diapers. Mm. You know, so literally fighting for a living. Yeah, that's, that's what I did, but I never had my, in my mind, I never pursued it as like, this is going to be my profession. I want to be the, no, I just fought because mm-hmm. I love fighting. And I, and I never, if I was smarter looking back, I, if I was smarter, I would have gotten better representation. I would have marketed myself better. You know, I would have probably gone a whole heck of a lot further. Um, at, at least, uh, notoriety wise, but notoriety wasn't my key thing. My key thing was training good people to be lethal and decent human beings. That was my, that was my push. I didn't, my self gratification. I, my, like I said, my three hall of fame inductions surprised me. Wow. Because they, there was no warning. There was no, who, who were watching? You know, one of the things that was said to me for the, uh, the first Hall of Fame induction that I, I got and the second one um, from the Masters group back when Spry used to handle it um, was, hey, we've been monitoring your school. And you, over a period of a decade, like 10 years, you've developed over 400 champions. Wow. I'm like, how do you know? I don't, I don't even know that. How do you know? Well, they said, we're looking at the stats. We're looking at the amateur uh, competitive things. And then we also know you, fool. We know who you are. Yeah. We've seen you. We all know you from the martial art world. This is what you've done. And, and we all sat down and agreed, yeah, you should be recognized. Mind-blowing. I, I had no clue. I had That's no clue. Awesome. And, and I'll be very honest with you. Those Hall of Fame inductions, the most humbling and great thing to be recognized for what you do, but uh, the best thing are my students. Okay. That's the best thing. Right. Because they're living, breathing examples of your training. And they, and, and they constantly tell me, constantly tell me, Sifu, if I wouldn't have met you, Sifu, if, if I didn't get all that training... We're talking about, I have students who ended up going all gamuts. I have a student who, uh, a handful of students who got very high degrees, nu- nuclear um, engineering, um, physicians, FBI, um, all of these students, highly exceptional. But I also have students that went to state prison or they went to county and they, they were literally their martial arts skills, things I trained them, saved their lives. I had a student call me on the phone telling me, see I love you. I love you. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he said, yeah, I got stabbed in County and this happened, this happened. But if, if, and he goes, I used this and I did that. And he goes, thank you. See I thank you. I, I, it, it, I wouldn't even be living. I wouldn't be breathing. And that's horrible. But right. it's also gratifying. And those same students are living better lives now because I didn't turn my back on them. I, I told them, hey, look, you, you are better than this, and, and you, need, you need to come out of that world. And right. today they're, they're living beautiful lives. That's good to hear. Beautiful lives. That's good to hear. Beautiful lives. And, and it's funny, too, because uh, that's, that's everything. That's yeah. everything. I. <laughs> accolades and 
you know, I, and, and it's funny, I've done the gambit of all martial arts and I know I'm all over the place right now, but, That's all right. but I've done the gambit. I've, I've, I've done fight coordinating for movies. I've done, um, weapons, uh, weapons training, uh, firearms for movies. I, I've done all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's cool, but that's not, it always falls back to the martial arts. It always falls back to the type of people that I've been exposed to and my students. I, I would say you want to boil it down to its basic element. It's about you guys. I mean, I've known you since you were a young kid. dude. <laughs> yeah. That means everything. You Let's go back to Colin. Colin Van Dusen, um, Power of One, founder. Yes. Okay. Um, Colin and I knew each other back when we were just, we'd fight anybody that looked at us weird. (laughs) I'm not, I I don't want to put Colin out, and I'm I'm saying all this respectfully. Yeah. Totally respectfully. um, with, With a great deal of love, too. But Colin used to be a bad boy. You know, Colin was no joke. Um, and we were, were boys. We were just best buds in the martial arts. And we've been in incidents, dude. Parking lots, hotel lobbies. <laughs> well, well, now that you brought that up, I think you told me this story once. I don't know if it was him, but I think you guys were in an elevator. And for some reason or another, you guys got off on the wrong floor and... There was a group of people already there. Well, that that was already disputed. Already it started. Yeah, yeah. In the martial art world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like you know we bunch of bad guys. No, there were no, people no, no. that we had interaction with. Yeah, yeah we yeah we had to do, we had to deal with. It. <laughs> yeah, and, and and believe me, we walked away laughing. <laughs> I, they I didn't. Believe it. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, Colin Van Dusen is is. Um, Legit. Right. No. Legit. And he's one of the few martial artists, karate guys. Um, and there's a lot of them, but he's one one of them um, that, yeah, you don't, you don't want to run up on him. You know? No. And even, I mean, we're older now. You know? This is back in our, our 20s and 30s, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Still wouldn't want to run up on him. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, and he's a beautiful human being. I he want is, you to understand. Oh, I, no, he he, he's not some big-headed tough guy. He's not. No. He, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. And I don't want to portray that. He no. he's a very thoughtful, very kind human being who uh, who is very genuine and loving. You know, I, let let me make that infinitely clear. But yeah. he's nobody. You know. He's nobody to play with. No, he's not. (laughs) So let's go back because you were about to tell your story on the Philippines, the martial arts. Mm -hmm. So walk me through that. Okay. Well, I was just exposed to it when I was in in the Marines. Um, Unbeknownst to me, if you would have told me when I was a Marine in the Philippines, hey, dude, you're going to marry a Filipina. (laughs) I'd say, you're nuts. (laughs) That is not going to happen, dude. I'm not going to be that guy. No, it's not going to happen. Well... Sure enough, I did. <laughs> I definitely did. And like, I we just had our uh, our anniversary just last oh. month. Oh, congrats! And thirty four years, you said, right? Thirty four years. Wow, yeah. that's so, awesome. Yeah, we were married in eighty eight. I don't know, if I'm doing the math right? But 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and it, what's, what's crazy about that is her family is part of the uh, Subwan style, the Dose is the Subwan style. Well, m- my maestro is a family member, uh, Celedonio Castillo, who was a guerrilla fighter in, in World War II. Oh. All right? Fought in the mountains, you know, horseback against the Japanese in the Philippines. He's the real deal. The dude, the dude's gone head, heads up, blade to blade with Japanese during World War II. He's the real deal. Um, and he actually taught law enforcement and military up until his elderly, until he was elderly. Um, because he was a World War II veteran, he got dual citizenship. Well, he kind of, the family kind of said, hey, why don't, if you go into the United States, go stay with, with Sarah and Thomas and uh, train him. Oh. Because he has our, he's, he has our girl. He has our little baby girl. And I'll tell you a story. I'll, I'll back that up right after I tell you this. Right. But he said, you got, you've got our baby girl over there. Hey, he, he's into it. So finish his training. Finish the family's training. Because the Dose Padres organization, and I don't think it's like the Dose Padres, but it's the Samoan style of, of fighting is what he taught me and the Sawano style. So when he came over, he, he actually started and finished my training in his eighties or nine, in his late eighties. And he actually had two strokes while doing my training over like a year and a half, about a year and a half it took to train me up to where he said, okay, I'm, I don't have anything more to teach you. And what was weird about it, he walked with a cane, walked very slow, but you put a blade or a collie weapon in his hand, dude, a he's a 19-year-old <laughs> freaking crazy dude. You know, he, it was amazing. Um, now, backing that up, I always tell the story about uh, when I met my wife's family. And we went back to where she's from, which is no running water, no electricity, no nothing. All right. And as I was, as we were coming to visit the family, first time ever, this was back before we even, as, as a matter of fact, when we went back, my wife was pregnant with my oh, first yeah. son and the men kind of said, Hey brother. And I'm like, why are you calling me brother? Is it because I'm a black guy? Is that, is that the reason I didn't know that? Yes, I'm actually their brother. You know, yeah. they're, they're my kuyas. Right. They're my, you know, they're my, they're my older members of the family. So they took me to the side. They're, they're over there drinking, under under uh, on a on a table under a li- little little roof there and they s- started showing me dude keep it in mind we have we have bags we we're literally off the plane we're actually still trapped <laughs> so she's off talking to family they take me up they show me some stuff you know and they're they're just kind of feeling me out and and I didn't know what they were doing they don't know who I am I don't know who they are um, later down the road, um, I got my eye split open, my lip was split open in two places and I had a few welts on my arm or, or, or bruises on my arm. And I don't bruises. I really don't, oh, wow. but those rattan sticks, yeah, they do it. They do a number, right? So my wife sees me and she just goes off and she's in Tagalog, just, 
Actually, it, it, not even Tagalog. I think she was speaking Visayan. Uh, <laughs> so, and she's just what going off. And I didn't realize what they were doing. And what they were doing was because I had their, their girl, all right. Mm-hmm. She's from a pretty large family. Right. Um, I had their girl who helped raise them. She helped raise most of her brothers and sisters. Right. Um, I took that girl from the family and they didn't know if I was able to protect her, take care of her. They didn't know. So what they wanted to do is find out number one, where my heart was to show me skills and, and abilities that I could protect their little girl. I didn't know this. I get a little emotional. Yeah, it's okay, sir. Her brother, Lito, told me when we were leaving. And he he said, and he didn't speak English very well. Matter of fact, he didn't speak English much at all. But in English, in his broken, he probably practiced it. He he looked at me dead in my eyes and said, take care of my sister. Yeah. Man. It was everything. That's everything. So, Learning the Filipino martial arts um, was something that, you know, was a rite of passage kind of thing. Um, I'm very fortunate to have learned it. And I actually have a student right now who has taken it to a whole different level. Because I, I taught Filipino martial arts as Filipino martial arts in my school, too. So my students learned knife fighting and and Kali. And they learned the principles. But they also did it in real life. Oh, we had uh-huh. we had free for alls where, okay, we're, I'm going to stab you, oh and I'm God. going I'm going for it. I'm going I'm going to stab you. And we had aluminum and wooden knives. And it's great to learn the principle, but it's even better to do it. Right. And because of that, I got better as a, as a practitioner and a, and a and a an instructor. But my students actually knew the reality of blades. They they understood the reality of of distance and, and movement and and a lot of principal fighter fighting with knives and stuff. I don't know if it's based in reality or not, but it's just you know it is what it is. But from my limited experience, um, and Celedonio was always about being lawful and ethical. You know, don't don't kill a person when you can maim or disarm them don't don't maim or disarm a person when you can just uh uh and and disarming wasn't even the goal but he, he always went less you know always less if you can kill don't don't ever kill he said and that was one of his principles don't ever kill when you could you know disable them and 
get them down. It's a, it, or if you have to disable, try your best to just just uh, cause pain and and make them pause and get them in a better position. And he said, if you can avoid the situation, avoid it completely. Right. You know, he always had a step down from what what to be done. Which went against my Marine Corps mentality, which went against my fight mentality. <laughs> yeah. And and it was a good balance. Yeah. But my and my students learn going back to my students learned the reality of it. Um, it was never just we would learn the principles. They would learn how to parry and block and redirect and do stuff, but they also had to learn the the real side of it. So they got to a point where, you know, we had to incorporate uh, judo and grappling into that to learn how to do things. Um, it was a great experience, wow. but, but I have, uh, Ra- Ralph, uh, Ralph, uh, well, I have Ralph Antella and Ralph Santos, but, uh, Ralph Antella is probably like one of the top Kali practitioners right now in Southern California. And he studies under a Filipino master, um, that he's taken his skills. Yeah, he's he's mastery. Absolute mastery. Ridiculous. And he's one of my top black belts. Wow. So it, every, everything plays into another. I, I have students who um, have been students of mine for 20 years. And now one of them, uh, Clark, or we call him Shandara, but it's Clark. Um, he's uh, Wing Chun. Okay. And now he's one of the top Wing Chun guys in the world. Wow. In the world, and actually has uh, gone so far as the um, Ip Man's son and his family lineage has accepted him completely. That's awesome. Completely. That's great. So it's such a small world. It's such, you know, yeah, they they learn the Lama Kippo system. They have everything is based in 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 the reality of fighting. Everything is based in. Um, you know, the ethical and moral side of it, but they go off and they do other things. Uh, like Antonio, Antonio's uh, MMA. Um, his son, uh, AJ, he fights Bellator now and he's undefeated. I think he uh, 12 to 18 matches undefeated. That's and insane. he very much under, and Antonio teaches him the Lama Kippo system, like kicking, movement, everything. So it, it's great. It is. <laughs> you know, things things go on way beyond me, out of my hands. You know, you plant the seed and that's it. <laughs> and and so obviously now you're because when we were talking, you said I'm out of the martial arts world right now, you know. Right. Do well, you, oh, no, go no, no, I'm just going to say, do you ever get that itch back? Like, I, I want to go back or every day, every minute. <laughs> Every, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, one of the one things I was doing the career I'm doing because I'm in law enforcement, right. and I was uh, uh, when I went into law enforcement, martial arts was one of my big things. Still, I mean, it, it never went away. So I would go. Um, I think back in 2003, I went into the what's called the Police and Fire Olympics and fought in the Police and Fire Olympics. That's FBI, DEA all police agencies from all over the world. You're going to, the whole world come really? together in an Olympics and everything from baseball, soccer, um, everything, boxing, everything you could imagine, including martial arts. And from there I've, I've earned, uh, 
three gold medals, a silver, and a bronze, and a grand championship uh, trophy from the police Olympics over a period of uh, two Olympics. That is great. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but that was early on in my career. I was 2003, <laughs> and I think 2005 is when I did the police Olympics. I did right. it in San Diego, and I did it in San Francisco. Um, the Later on in my career, I was a... Uh, I, I was, I got a chance to work with some incredible, incredible force instructors. Now I had been a force instructor since 2003, um, but I, I would say, what was it, uh, 2018 or 19? I became a force instructor for the academy for LA County Sheriff's Academy, mm-hmm. and man, I'll tell you, some incredibly talented skillful i mean to the bone skillful knowledgeable uh martial artists and fighters who are part and i was very very blessed to be even in the room with them just in the room and i and i'm I'm saying that yeah okay yeah martin you've done a lot yeah i have done a lot but i don't know everything i like that i like that (laughs) so you know going with this group i i had an opportunity to be exposed to uh Krav Maga, you know, and I had to get yeah. certified in it and learn it because that's what the sheriff's department does. That's their right. that's their method and and, and skill set for teaching everyone, and it's a great, uh, well organized um, curriculum uh, wow. to learn. Um, it reminded me very much of Ishamru karate, um, very much, even down to the techniques, um, but. A lot of real world stuff. Some stuff I agreed with, some stuff I didn't, but not my business because I had to learn it. It's part of my career. Right. Um, but also, too, I, some of the people in my group and some of the people I work with, holy crap, just incredible guys and girls who are just dedicated to the martial arts and passing it on for law enforcement so they could be very effective. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I truly believe that you know there's a lot of uh, good departments. A lot of there's you know there's more ways than one way to skin a cat, right? Right. But uh, I truly believe our department has done a great job. Yeah. And you know, um, I, I, my my sergeant um, who is a crazy man. <laughs> it was my old boss. He's still my old boss. Um, but uh, he was a great guy. Um, so great, great human being. I was very, very fortunate to be part of the force unit. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, Mr. Martin, you have <laughs> my brain right now. It's about to explode. It's Mine, awesome. too. I'm all over the place. No, no, that's awesome. I mean, when I got a hold of you, I think I was not expect. I would. I knew I was going to get some good stuff, but this is way beyond, way beyond than what I prepared for. And this was awesome. Seriously, I loved it. Yeah, no, this was awesome. So I mean, you don't have to, but I always like to surprise people with this. Any parting words before we leave? Anything you would like to say before we leave? Um, one thing I'm going to go back to what I was talking about. Um, Mike Davis, um, Sergeant Mike Davis, who's yes. probably retired by now. On the department, <laughs> but I, I'm personally 
as 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 a man, I I want to thank him. All right. You know, for giving me the opportunity to be with the unit, and all all my, all the guys, um, Bridget and all those people um, in the unit. Very thankful yeah. to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, now, fast forward. Um, parting words. I think martial arts has been probably the the best thing that I, I that has ever happened to me. Um, it's given me the strength to do and stay focused in my life. Um, when I left the Marine Corps, um, I was a legit Marine, um, cussing, yeah. drinking, <laughs> fighting. You name it. Like nobody's business. Or was respectful, very much in control. Um, didn't didn't want to do anything outside of you know military law and everything. But yeah, have I been in a couple of fights and bars? <laughs> yes, I have. But the the main thing of it is uh, martial arts has formed me and and kept me at a standard. When I left the Marine Corps, um, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, when I left the Marine Corps, I stopped drinking completely. Huh. N- never touched a drop since. It wasn't that I had an issue. It wasn't that I had a problem. It was I knew if I was going to marry the woman that I wanted to marry and bring her to a foreign country and be responsible for her, alcohol, I had no part of it. Yeah. And then right because of the martial arts, alcohol doesn't have a part of it. It's not. So I, it kept me straight. It kept me on on a path where... Um, nothing was impossible. And, and I will tell everyone this, and, and this is just my point of view, that martial arts saved me. My students saved me. Very fortunate. Um, we're very fortunate to have you here today, sir. Mr. Martin, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you everyone it. at home for listening. Uh, Mr. Thomas Martin, ladies and gentlemen, thank Thanks. you so much, sir. Have a thank good you. one. Thank you.